alcanzaré y una sonrisa en tu mirada pintaré no habrá distancia entre los dos al viento volaré mi voz con mis deseos a tu alma llegaré Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Prospero año y felicidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad Feliz Navidad well, we're joined by uh, John Bonfilio, to whom we wish uh, Feliz Navidad and Prospero Año. Um, although I gather, John, you're not really a Christmas kind of guy. Christmas is great, Martin. What's not to like? <laughs> well... Uh, do you know, I gathered, I gathered you weren't a Christmas kind of guy when uh, we were going around asking people, would you be prepared to, uh, you know, pause the festivities to come on the radio live on uh, Boxing Day morning? And you said, yeah, no problem. No problem. I'll be there. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, when do you need me? You. Sign me up. Yeah, here you are. And bless you for uh, for talking to us on uh, Boxing Day uh, morning. And I gather you're not the biggest fan of uh, Michael Bublé either, by the sound of things. I'd actually never heard that song before in my life. There you go. Really? Ah, well, yep. that was a bit of a treat for you. Going to hear a bit more of it at the end of the uh, of the interview. So, Brilliant. so I'll, I'll, stay, I'll stay tuned in. Stay tuned in. <laughs> yes, do. Uh, now, tell me first of all before we uh, we start on um, on Canelo, the uh, boxer, and uh, and Diego Maradona. Tell me about these human skulls that have been found in Mexico. Yeah, I thought you might segue straight from Christmas into this skull tower that's been discovered in, in Mexico City, just to continue the tone. Um, it was actually discovered for the first time in, in 2015 during the rest, restoration of a, of a building in the, in the centre. But essentially over the course of the last couple of weeks, a new wall in the skull tower has been discovered with another 70-odd skulls. And it turns out that the Aztecs would build these massive I guess kind of scaffolding worth of skulls that were, you know, humans that were sacrificed in order to send a message to anybody that was arriving. And when the conquistadors arrived, they wanted to send a particularly strong message. Um, so this wall uh, apparently measures 200 feet by 100 feet and could fit tens of thousands of, of, of skulls on it. Essentially, Mexico City is built on a on an old lake bed, so literally shifting sand. So anytime somebody, you know, anytime there's an earthquake or as often happens as a as a gas e explosion or anything like that, oftentimes there are things that that are discovered because the, what the conquistadors did, what the, the Spanish did essentially, which happens, you know, during a lot of, or certainly happened during a lot of the colonial period anywhere internationally. But um, but the, the, the modus operandi, the strategy is you, you take out um, a given um, a given indigenous groups uh, most important cultural icons, and then you build your own on top of them. So. Essentially, the, the, the main cathedral in Mexico City is built on top of the Templo Mayor, the most important Aztec temple. And, and that was only discovered relatively recently. And so ongoing digs there now are, are um, revealing a number of different 
know, aspects to that and, and aspects of uh, Aztec culture, including this what's called the, the way on Bantley, which is this huge skull rack uh, in, in situ, which can be viewed from the street as you walk past the, the cathedral in, in Mexico City. Wow. I might try that actually for Christmas decorations next year. I mean, at the moment we've just got some uh, sort of festive lights outside the house, but uh, I think, you know, um, a whole wall of human skulls. Well, send a message to the neighbours, uh, if nothing else. Um, now, uh, we're going to talk about that, that fight last week where, uh, I mean, it was a fantastic fight and it was a, it was a great victory for uh, Saul uh, Canelo Alvarez or Santos Saul Alvarez Barragan, I think about his real name sort of thing um when uh you know our uh candidate didn't have a chance really was uh was well beaten uh and i, I see alvarez is ranked as the second greatest mexican fighter of all time pound for pound so presumably huge excitement about that fight uh in mexico last week yeah, I mean, all things Canelo Alvarez here are, are, are big, and, and, and here he's known as the undertaker of British boxers. Um, I mean, he's, he's taken out six of them at, at current measure, 57 bouts, 54 wins, two, uh, two ties, and then just the one loss to, to Floyd um, Mayweather, as you say, took it. Callum, Callum Smith, uh, who, had, who was uh, taller and had a 20-centimeter height uh, and range difference, uh, was, was essentially counterpunched to it to oblivion by, by Canelo last week and certainly one of Mexico's most famous um, sportsmen I think um, certainly you know uh, boxers famously red-haired Canelo actually is, is not his real name it's a it's a nickname Canelo here in, in Mexico is uh, another word for, for cinnamon and it's it's widely regarded whatever the veracity of this is that that actually he's descended from the Saint, from the Irish St. Patrick's Battalion because of the red hair who defended Mexico in the in the Mexican-American War. Um, the youngest of eight kids, seven seven brothers, all boxers. And actually, that was one of the interesting um, side notes to the to the Callum Smith fight was the fact that there was um, Callum Smith had his own brothers in in multitude in his own corner, and so did so did Canelo Alvarez. Another big question here is where's where's he going to go? Because he's he's a He's a he's a, a champion at four different uh, mm. divisions and and uh, you know quite a remarkably versatile um, fighter. So so where's he going to go next? The smart money and certainly the the boxing public would like him to take on a third bout with Gennady Golovkin, who he um, had a, shared a split decision with in their first bout and then a majority win in their in their second bout, but widely regarded as being two absolute classics of. Um, you know, box of recent boxing encounters, but Golovkin is widely regarded as having been robbed on on both occasions. So um, that's where you know where, where most interest lies is in a is in a, is in a third bout between Alvarez and, and Golovkin. And presumably, you know, Mexico being such a sort of boxing nation, if you like, and you know, boxers being um, being so famous in Mexico, presumably this was sort of uh, after the fight was the main sports story. On the back pages, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's not worth paying attention to because there's, you know, there's now the the ennui that follows these these kinds of sports stories where 99% of what what is covered is is nonsense, you know, relating to silk pajamas and Lamborghinis and and, and, and all of that kind of stuff, <laughs> which which you know, <laughs> bears no actual um, importance to to either the man or, or you know or the boxing or the or, or the context that you know, he is. He is the most important, uh, you know, bar Jesus. Uh, he is the most important front page topic in, in Mexico as we speak. 
Wow. And presumably, yeah, we're, you know, we're looking back at some of the people that we said goodbye to during 2020. Um, when the newspapers in Latin America, especially Argentina, obviously, um, print their reviews of the year, presumably there'll be more and more paeans of praise to uh, the career of uh, Diego Maradona. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, and we're now, you know, obviously, sadly, Tragically, the, the man is, is no longer with us. But now we're just in a different phase of, of his of his life and legacy, if you like, which is now that, you know, the kind of tawdry struggle to to appropriate for people to appropriate chances and wannabes to appropriate themselves of his legacy, his heritage and, and artifacts and so on. So so partly that, you know, there is still a bit of the whole what did he die of? Was there drugs and alcohol in his system? There wasn't, by the way, no, there wasn't, in terms no. of the autopsy report. But um, but for sure now it's it, it, the, the newspapers are focusing and honing in on on everything to do with with his life, his shirt, his boots, his medals. Where are they? How come? How much can we sell them from, etc. And that's gonna that's gonna go nowhere. I mean, Naples has become, you know, as one newspaper has referred to it, Maradona Land. Now it's seen a it's seen an opening um, to to take forward there. I think that you know when you strip it all back, strip all the noise away from 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 Maradona and and the life and. Uh, and so on. Ultimately, I was thinking about this earlier, uh, earlier on today. You know, he's spoken about in relationship with with Pele a, a lot of the time, but he was uniquely inspirational and compelling. I know we've spoken about this before, but but people would make a, a, appointments on the on the television to, you know, when Maradona was playing because of what you know, not knowing what was gonna what he was gonna mm. what he was gonna bring, just how unique he was, the, the real and raw nature of his of his life he didn't disguise himself at all and i think also a really important point is he always fought for the for the, for the little man there was somebody who said a couple of days ago that essentially he was a man of the south who always fought for uh for the south and was on the side of the south whether that's um you know argentina in the 86 world cup or even barcelona that in in the early 80s when he joined them was still you know a much mm. smaller club than than real madrid from from catalonia naples naples had won nothing when he when he turned up all the big clubs in in Italy, were, were from the north, and he was the first. You know, he, he drove Naples to uh, to glory during during that period. Or even if you look more politically, Cuba, Palestine, all those kinds of all those kinds of things. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's he's so adored because you know he didn't pretend to be somebody for all his flaws. He didn't pretend to be somebody that he wasn't. I mean, he was. Uh, a, I, I want to not say a deity on the pitch, but you know the stuff that he did. Nobody else could do certainly of, of the time and off the pitch, just, you know, the, the actual definition of an icon, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be some time before uh, Argentina and Latin America generally stops sort of celebrating uh, the life and times of uh, Maradona. So somebody else that um, who died during 2020, I know um, obviously more of a figure in Latin America than over here in Europe, but the Argentinian uh, con cartoonist uh, Quino, Kino, who is he? And, Kino. Uh, Kino. Tell me all about him. Yeah, it comes from his first name, Joaquin. So, Quin, Quino, uh, Salvador Lavado Tejon. Um, didn't really make much of the, the international news, but in the Spanish-speaking world, absolutely huge because his his preeminent creation, Mafalda, was the and is the most important and most famous cartoon comic strip in in Spanish language. Um, essentially a social satire based around an, an irreverent six-year-old who hates fascism, militarism and soup. And interesting because he stopped actually drawing Mafalda in, in 1973, partly because he was worried about repeating himself, but also because of the, the militarism that was sweeping through Latin America at the time. And he didn't want to get himself 
into trouble. But there's, although there was, you know, no new reproductions, the fame uh, and the con- contemporary nature resonance of Mafal that continued to, to to push through for, over the course of the next 50 years. And there's still young kids that, you know, the first thing they want to read is is Mafal and her, her aphorisms and um, and so on, and just you know, huge numbers of of uh, famous social commentary that she would that she would come up with, which which remains, which has become, I guess, in a kind of Shakespearean way, has become part of the uh, part of the the Spanish language. The, the most memorable of which for me is when uh, my father said once, "Life is beautiful. The problem is many people confuse beautiful with easy." Ooh. That's deep. It's deep. And I'm glad you know, because mostly we're just uh, spewing out cliches today, you know, happy Christmas and compliments of the season. So it's nice that you came into a, into a slightly different uh, area there, uh, John. Um, but next week, you're going to join us again next week. I mean, you know, I know, as I say, you're not a Christmas kind of guy. Are you a New Year kind of guy? Because it'll be, um, well, it'll be sort of January the January the 2nd next weekend. Will you be OK for that? Yeah, I, I regard this whole sort of, you know, period between between the two as a kind of a, a, a blobby mess of uh, <laughs> of, of human uh, expression. I'll, I'll be here. I'll, I'll, I'll join you without any any problem. Bless you. Bless you, John. Do appreciate it. Uh, and as I say, Feliz Navidad and Prospero Año, etc. Yeah. Thank you very much. Speak soon. <laughs>